My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. Welcome back to Are You For Real? with Sarah Frick. Today, we are going to be talking about grief and loss and risk and how shit just happens in your life and you don't know when it's going to happen. So the other side of that story and the full story of Grace, who's my daughter, who we lost at three days old, is the the most precious story of loss that I know. And so I'm going to share this with you guys and I'm going to be real because I probably will cry through it. So go ahead and grab your tissues because you will too. So I'm going to share with you guys um, a blog I actually wrote last year on her birthday, which would have been her um, sixth birthday. This year she would have been seven. So um, this blog is titled Grace, and it says, I just want to tell her story. I know I did, and I have, and there's a whole blog out there about how I grieved her little short life, but I just feel the need for her and me to reshare it now. I had this moment before I carved out this hour where I was like, why are you wasting your time? There are actually living babies on the ground floor who need you. And does anyone even care? And the thing is, I care. I will never throw Grace a birthday party on this day to celebrate her life. She will never have a slew of little girls show up to decorate cupcakes or dance around in tutus. We won't get to teach her to swim or ride a bike or shower her with gifts or hug her or parent her. So what I will do for my firstborn, my first child on her sixth birthday, is I will share her short but precious story because it's important because she's important and what she made of me is who I am. Okay. The day after John and I found out I was pregnant, we went out to the beach for a walk and then went to brunch. I was so excited and felt so special. Like, oh my God, I got pregnant and I'm actually going to do this. We are gonna do this huge adult thing together and be a family with a baby. I was wearing a gray shirt from Charleston Power Yoga that day and John said, if we have a girl, we will name her Grace. And we did. Grace's full name is Clara Grace. Clara is my maternal grandmother and my only living grandparent. We knew we would call her Grace. What we didn't know is how important that strong name would be for this little girl. I had a normal pregnancy for the most part and had wonderful friends throw me showers. I went to town on decorating the nursery and gearing up for this monumental shift in our life. I won't say I loved being pregnant. I didn't with my others either. I did love feeling her kicks and knowing I was her mama and having what already felt like a friend with me all the time. I am a pack animal 100%. Fast forward to my 36-week appointment. I went to see my midwife who mentioned I was measuring small. She thought it would be smart to put me on the ultrasound just to double check. I was alone. It was routine and John wasn't there. When they took me in, they noticed she was actually small but figured my placenta had possibly called it quits and it was time to get this baby out of my body and on the breast to beef her up. I knew then, I did. I knew something was wrong, I felt it. I did not know she would die, I did feel as though something was off. In my marriage in times like these, John is half full and I am half scared. I get protective of my heart and his and now my children as well. I go into processing mode and try to Google and make sense of things so I am prepared. Grace has taught me that we don't prepare for these things. We live them and we feel them. And then we share these pieces of ourselves to help others go through them. We give grace. My midwife and the doctor in the room that day, who went on to later care for me and my twins, God bless Natalie Gregory, sent me to MUSC to have a big boy ultrasound and to see if they could gauge where this growth issue was stemming from. At MUSC, they noticed the little fat pocket on her forehead and the potential of club feet, both markers for an abnormality. 
The funny thing is she had neither when she was born. After the doctors discussed, we decided to get to 37 weeks and then induce her and deliver her at our local hospital. Though we had this blip, everyone around me kept telling me she was going to be okay, even the professionals. Get her out, they said. Then we can see her and help her and feed her strong. They didn't know. They aren't God, and I don't blame them or anyone. They did their best and were so loving and kind, and that's all I could have asked for at this time. I love them all, all the people who helped us. God knew we needed those special women with us. On 5-14-12, John and I packed our bags and packed the smallest, sweetest little preemie clothes for Grace, all washed and draft and folded tiny and perfect. We went to the hospital to spend the night to start the induction. I labored most of the day of the 15th, and my monitor looked good, really strong. She was kicking ass in there. Thank you, God. Maybe my instincts were wrong. Maybe this little warrior would be okay after all. Maybe, maybe, maybe. When it was time to push is when it all went to shit. We lost her heartbeat. Then she came out not breathing. The whole hospital went cold blue. Our room was swarmed with doctors and nurses. I looked at Barbara, my midwife, and said, why is there no noise? Why is she not crying? As Barbara was trying to care for me, I remember her yelling at the team, trying to save our baby, who I had yet to see. What is happening, she said. I remember looking at John dead in the eyes and telling him, it's okay, we will do this again, because I knew. I knew then that she was not meant for this earth. She was not meant to come home and see her nursery and be our baby on earth. She was far too precious and too sick. We didn't yet know how sick, though. They intubated her, and as they wheeled her out to be rushed to MUSC NICU, we saw her. She opened her eyes and looked at us, and she looked so scared. And that look will always stay with me. My child looked terrified and shook. Her entry into the world that I brought her into was not peaceful and warm and on my chest. It was rushed and painful and tragic. It broke me. But I kept it in. John needed me that night. I was in shock. We had to spend the night at our local hospital, and the next day we got, went down to MUSC, where she was in the NICU. She was there almost three days. Grace was born with a paralyzed diaphragm, so she could never breathe on her own. With this came a host of other issues as well. The night she died, they laid her on my chest. We took her off the ventilator and sang, Jesus loves me, and let her go home. I don't think anything in my life will feel that out of body as that moment. I couldn't understand that this was real life, yet I was more present and aware than I had ever been or have ever been since. Here I was, postpartum, lactating. My body was craving this baby I had grown. My brain was flat yet alert with every beep of a monitor. My, bo my body was heavy and ached. I felt so alone. They took John and I and Grace into a room where we bathed her and put her in a smocked pink dress. We looked over her body, little hands and toes and ears. And then we had a woman come and take pictures. I didn't want to. It felt so morbid and strange to me, so I called it off. As I did, the woman who had taken pictures for John and I's wedding walked into the room randomly. Thank you, Travis, for being you and being there. Why God full circles life will always be a mystery to me, but he does, and I'm so glad it was you. I cherish those few pictures I have of my baby girl. We had a funeral for Grace where so many people came to hug us and cry with us and love us. We had friends who held us up. I literally shut down for a solid two to three months. We moved. We got pregnant. We lost that baby, too. We grieved more. We laughed through tears. We fought through tears. John had a better grip at this point, and I could not get past it. It took me a really long time. I am a feeler. I am also a healer. Waylon being born was the first time since May 15th, 2012 that I exhaled. I remember it. It was perfect. Jean, my midwife at the time, placed him on my chest. I felt air 
and grief that had been stuck in my tissue leave my body. I softened. I trusted again. It was time. Grace, thank you, beautiful, perfect, as you are, child, for coming when you were needed and doing the work you were to do. Some people live 110 years to serve their purpose. Some live two and a half days to serve theirs. You will always be my first. I will always have four children, and I will always love you. <laughs> I am sitting here as I write this at a coffee shop, sobbing, <laughs> blowing my nose on a sweaty t-shirt that's in my purse, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> Your mama is crazy like that. You'd really have gotten a kick out of me. I can't wait to hold you again one day, and I know I will. Grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. It was grace that brought us safe this far, and grace will lead us home. So I share that with you guys because it's such a huge, huge part of who I am. And having that baby and losing that baby was a turning point in my life. And it changed who I am inside. It changed my physical practice. It changed my marriage. It changed my friendships. And, you know, when when we lost Grace, it threw me on the ground. And I, I, before that, I had lost my mother, who was like my absolute best friend. We, My mom had me young. We grew up very close. And then after losing her, I just, I didn't think I could recover. And I remember my midwife telling me lovingly one day, she was worried about me. And she said, Sarah, she put her hands on my shoulder. She said, you have got to look at this in a big picture. She said, you are not going to always be here. And you have to like start trusting life again, start trusting yourself, start trusting God, whatever it is, like you have to put faith back out there. And to me, doing that was a huge fucking risk because I'd been let down by everything, and most importantly, I'd been let down by my body, as that's how I looked at it. And so to, to stand back up and to do this again, and the only thing I wanted was to have babies. And after we lost Grace, we found out that genetically, I am a carrier for this weird, random thing. And so for us to have children, it is really complicated. So we went to have a baby again. They told us, the geneticists at MUSC, that we had a 50-50 chance of the baby have another baby having this, but to absolutely try, you know, on our own without anything. And so we did, and I got pregnant right away. And at 11 weeks, we did a test and we found out the baby had the same thing as Grace and we had to make a decision. And it was one of the toughest decisions I've ever made. And I don't put judgment either way. You know, I don't care what anyone else does. But for me, I wanted a baby so bad and we had to terminate that pregnancy. And so that was another huge blow because all we wanted was a baby and all we had was another sick baby. So after that, we decided to do fertility where they can help select healthy eggs for you and to get the show on the road. And that was a tough decision. I mean, financially, that's a huge thing. And emotionally, that's a huge thing. And you know, for me, I'm like, my personality is I'm like, love it. Let's do it. Okay. in bye. Let's go. Let's go. You know, and John's like more methodical and thinks things through and he needed time to process it and think. So it was right around Christmas, actually. It was Christmas 2012. Instead of celebrating Christmas that year, we decided to go to Vail where John's an incredible skier and I sat at a bar and drank <laughs> and <laughs> we came to grips with this is what we were going to do. <clears throat> so we came back home and we started our fertility and Easter that year, we were blessed with the good news that we were pregnant. We carried that pregnancy and there was definitely ups and downs in that. And 
like I said in that blog, when they put Waylon on my chest, I mean, I literally, it like restored my faith in humanity. (laughs) And it was such for me, the risk was so worth it. And that child, I always say like Waylon saved me from me. And he, he's like reciprocity to me and redemption. And, you know, it was so scary. Every day of that pregnancy was terrifying. I was like, my midwife was like, do not buy one of those at-home heart monitors. And I was like, no, that's so stupid. I would never do that. And of course I like bought, you know, three. And every day I would like listen to his heartbeat and make sure he was alive or call her if I couldn't find it. She's like, I told you not to buy one. Um, But, you know, just because it was scary doesn't mean that obviously it wasn't worth it. And after we had Waylon, we decided to, um, we wanted another baby and we had to do IVF again just to, you know, keep everything as healthy as possible and we had to do, it wasn't like Waylon where we did it the first time. So we had to do, I think we did five, six rounds, had a few miscarriages in between. And the last round I said to the, this is for those of you that do for, have done fertility, you know, you can buy insurance programs. You can buy insurance on anything. <laughs> you can buy it on your dog, on your ass, on your fertility, like anything literally. So I, we bought the insurance and I was joking with John, we bought the insurance. I'm like, hilarious. Like if you have to do IVF six times, who needs the insurance? You're going to jump off the bridge. <laughs> So by number six, we still hadn't jumped off the bridge and I went to the doctor and I'm like, this is, I was like, I literally like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, I think I'm just going to bow out. And she was like, do it, just do it. And I went in there with just a super laid back attitude for the first time ever. Like I didn't eat the pineapple and do a crazy bunch of acupuncture and like put herbs in my socks. Like I was just like, F it. And we did it. And I went home and I remember that night I had a sitter there to help with Waylon because I couldn't pick him up. And I was like, Angie, who was my sitter, and I was like, order a pizza, open a bottle of wine. I don't care. Let's just lay. I'm just going to lay in bed. This is the one day I'm going to give it. Like where before I would lay flat, like flat with, like I said, literally like herbs in my socks for two weeks. And they called me with my numbers nine days later. And they were like, your numbers are 6,000 million. And I was like, oh, shit. And so when we went in for our first ultrasound, they were like, you're pregnant with twins. Um, And they are insane but so loved. And, you know, I, am such a, I am such a believer that nothing is random. And and I really, really say that, like, I don't say the things that I say in my class, in my home with my friends, because it's what yoga teachers say, or what seems cool to say to be present. But like, truly, these are the moments that drop you into being present. I know that the children that are in my life are in my life because they're meant to be in my home. And Grace was meant to be in my life for the two and a half days she was meant to be in my life. She was not meant to be in my home. She served her purpose. And it was a beautiful purpose. And after Grace died, I had a dream. Um, and my mom came to me in that dream. And that was, I wanted my mom so bad. I was so sad and lonely. And I just wanted my mom. And my mom came to me in this dream. And for any of you that have had loss, I don't know why I always feel like in my dreams, like I can't like get a good grip on talking to her and my dreams, like she's there and it's very in and out. But she looked at me and she's, as she was like leaving, And she said, I'm so jealous because your life is about to be so good and you're going to have a baby and you're going to name him John. And John Whalen is our baby. It was our first son that's living in our home. And, you know, she was right. So I guess the point of this ramble (laughs) is, you know, if, if you're going through hell, keep on going because the only way out really is through. And I, and I really, really, I don't say that lightly because I know that, these are the things that stop us dead in our track and make us question our faith and our relationships and everything, you know, like we're see- like we're going through life and everything seems great. And then all of a sudden it's just like, what the fuck? Um, 
but there is another side to that. And, and I, I believe that taking the risk and jumping in to the other side is so, so worth, is so worth the outcome. There's so much beauty in the breakdown of that. And I learned so much about myself through that process of how strong I am and, you know, just the, the art of being with um, the people that would were in my life that would just come and just sit and they didn't know what to say. Who knows what to say, but would just come and just sit with me and go, that's, it sucks, Sarah. It, this sucks. And would just cry with me and just hold my hand. They weren't trying to fix it. They were just like, let's just sit here and just be, um, that taught me a lot about being a friend too. Um, so I guess if you're on the side where you're the one that's going through this, please know that you're not alone. That felt to me, I felt so lonely. And anytime I could connect with someone else who was experiencing this, I felt like glued to them. So just like, I always say this is my ministry and I truly mean that. Um, you guys know how to get in touch with me if you're experiencing something like this. I talk to people monthly, sometimes biweekly, who have gone through this recently and I drop everything for it because I know what that feels like. And if you're on the other side and you have someone you know that's going through this, don't, don't belittle it. Um, I remember an experience with somebody and, it, and it, it wasn't, it's not their fault. They don't know. But I remember John and I were getting on our boat. We spent our summer on the boat because we couldn't be in the house. It was just a really bad time. And we were like, let's just be on the water. Let's be on the water. And we saw um, a man and he had, you know, did you have your baby? And John's like, we actually lost the baby. And of course it made him uncomfortable. I mean, shit, I was fucking uncomfortable. Grief is uncomfortable. And he was like, oh, well, you know, you'll just have, you'll have another, it's okay. And then walked off the dock. And I was like, where's the gun? <laughs> but, it, you know, and so my thing is like, just go in with people, like sit with people in it. If you, if you love them, don't try to say the right thing. Grab a bottle of wine, grab a bouquet of flowers and just sit and let them just go. Like I said, if you're in it, most importantly, like probably who I'm talking to, if you're in it, no matter what it is, whether it's fertility, whether it's something going on in your marriage, whether it's something going on in your career, you got the only way out is through. You just got to, you got to get through and get to the other side of it. And it's there. It's there. Nothing's random. It's happening. It's coming. Believe that. Believe that. Every day I would just say hope, hope, hope. Okay. Okay. I got to get through this day and then I'll get through the next day. And now I'm here and I do have this amazing life and I have these amazing people in my life that it's not by accident. I've curated, I've chosen great people and they've chosen me and I have these beautiful children who I love and drive me insane. And though my marriage is like any other marriage with problems, I mean, we're freaking strong. We've been through a lot together and I, I'm not sad about any of that. You know, I know that was all part of the purpose. So just know that and know that you're not alone in it and you can do hard things. <laughs> <laughs>